Hey there, product security pros, David and Shlomi here. Hosting the Left to Our Own Devices podcast has been a privilege. During the past two years, we had the opportunity to chat with top product security minds from the likes of CISA, the FDA, Boston Scientific, Jaguar Land Rover, and many others. 20,000 listeners and 50 plus guests later, we thought it was time to take things to the next level and launch the first virtual conference for product security. Left to Our Own Devices, the conference. Join us on April 3rd, 9 a.m. EST for fascinating and practical sessions from the world's top product security minds across industry, government, and academia, entirely online and completely free. KPMG, Showstack & Associates, OpsRight, Valentium, and ASRG have already joined as partners or speakers. To sign up for free and save your spot, go to cybellum.com conference. That's C-Y-B-E-L-L-U-M dot com slash conference. See you there and enjoy the show. Hi, this is David. And this is Shlomi. And you've tuned into Left to Our Own Devices, the product security podcast. Our guest today is Eddie Tizi, Vice President Products and Solutions Cybersecurity at Alstom, a world leader in green smart mobility rail solutions such as rail transportations and infrastructure. Eddie began his career as a network and systems consultant and then joined Alstom where he moved through the ranks all the way to becoming the company's VP of Products and Solutions Cybersecurity. He's a world expert in rail cybersecurity, and we are very excited to have him on today. Uh, Eddie, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be there today. So are we. Please tell us a little bit about your journey, how you went from being a networking consultant to your uh, current role at Alstom. In fact, I started my, start my career by doing mathematics. I was a student in mathematics. And uh, in order to implement your algorithm, you need to develop the program. At the time, we say uh, late 80s, it was uh, convenient to be also a programmer, so to be able to develop your, your own code and to, uh, to implement your algorithm. So I started, let me say, in IT and computer software development like that. I continue to do some consulting in IT, and then the year 2000 arrived, the famous uh, year 2000 bug, where I, I started to work for companies like Alstom, for example, and I moved to Alstom at the time, in 2019, just exactly for this uh, year 2000 bug. And I use, I, I did several positions in Alstom, uh, along the years, starting in IT, IT operations for, uh, for France, for Europe, for Asia Pacific, for the signaling branch. And then I moved to more process oriented activity where I, I was in charge of uh, industrial processes, development processes from uh, configuration management, uh, system engineering management, trying to, to apply some uh, well-known standards like CMMI, for example. We were, by the way, certified in 2014 at Level 3. And I moved then to, uh, I moved back, I would say, to my original, I would say, uh, skills, which were IT and cybersecurity. So starting 2018, I took over the position of uh, head of uh, cybersecurity for the group, for product and solution cybersecurity, meaning any cybersecurity that we are implementing within our products and solutions that we are selling to customers. And I, I grew up in this area of uh, real cybersecurity since 2018, I would say with the domain, because the domain was a little bit young at the time, still young, but growing, and that's where I am today. Wow, very, very interesting journey. 
It, it definitely is. And, uh, you know, when you think about rail security, uh, in my mind, we think a lot about attacks, like physical attacks, as opposed to cyber attacks. But this is, you know, kind of in the past, and uh, there have been various uh, famous, more famous attacks on, on railways. Uh, so your company is a leader in sustainable smart rail systems. It's one of the really exciting products or, or areas of the mobility industry. So can you share with us a little bit about the innovation that's taking place at Alstom and also what are the new products that you are personally most excited about? I'll say you're right. So if you step back a little bit on railway, the image is sometimes a little bit outdated. So steam trains and the kind of image of uh, this very mechanical-oriented system. Reality is that over the last decade, our system became very, very connected, highly software-intensive system, I would say, very complex, made of a lot of subsystems. And that was necessary because the challenges in front of us are there. So if you look, the population is growing. There is more and more people living around cities and having to, to move to, uh, to go to work. You have more and more goods to move. And the climate changes and the fact that the, the, the climate is suffering from human activity is pushing to green and sustainable mobility. And then you see railway arriving as being the, the more greener, I would say, safest way of transportation that you can find over there. And in order to adjust and to adapt to all those challenges, we had to embrace innovation. So if you look at a company like Alstom today, innovation is really part of the DNA. You will find challenges, you will find a, a lot of initiatives where people are pushed to innovate uh, not for the sake of innovation, but they are pushed to innovate to solve issues. And we have major challenges where we have absolutely to improve our product, either because the time to market is reducing, so we need to deliver in the fraction of what we were doing before, either because the sustainability costs of the product must be adapted, so we need to have products that can be maintained over time for 20, 30 years at a, at a cost, I would say, in energy, resource, human resource, which is acceptable. And this has pushed the company really to organize itself around, uh, around innovation. And what I'm, when I'm looking at the portfolio of, of Alstom, what is really uh, amazing me is when we have the capability to develop new solutions or new services with, with things which are already there. So meaning that without changing the whole system, you can make it better. And that's always, always, always interesting. And, and when you see the, the effort that has been done over the last five, six years to develop all those data analytics, all those machine learning, AI, which are allowing to anticipate failure, to do predictive maintenance, to, to better organize the planning of driver, to make a journey smoother than before, to anticipate the load in the various vehicles that you will have. Uh, really, those, those kind of things are, are exciting because you, you feel the change in the industry while it is happening, you see things that were not existing yesterday, existing tomorrow. And simply because you don't need to inject new, I would say, equipment, you are just reusing whatever is already there. And this kind of transformation, this kind of, uh, of evolution are, are really interesting. So when, when it comes to, I would say, uh, innovation, things which are, uh, are striking when you look at the industry, the fact that we are able more and more to, uh, to better use and better operate and optimize the life cycle of our product using existing data is something that is really, really amazing and that you need to witness to, to, to see and to believe. Wow. It, it sounds really exciting and it's kind of not what we expected you to answer, but now when you answered it, it seems so 
obvious in a way that the more software you have, the more data you have, this is where the innovation is. And it sounds really, really exciting. So I would like to talk to you about the, the, the other part of, of software-driven uh, products such as yourself, which is what you're in charge of, uh, uh, Rail Cybersecurity. So I'm personally very curious about this. How, how is Rail Cybersecurity different than other mobility or automotive cybersecurity disciplines? And what are the main challenges in, in rail cybersecurity? I'll say that, just to connect to the previous question, cybersecurity is the flip side of digitalization. And we've, in, in the rail industry, embraced this, uh, this digitalization over time. And rail cybersecurity remains something quite new. It's a young discipline. If you look at cybersecurity in retail, in bank, in aircraft, in automotive, And you look at the one in railway, we started a little bit later than the other. We have a standard to describe how you do real cybersecurity since two years, not more than that. So very, very young discipline. And we are still struggling to, uh, to, to develop the discipline. And there is a couple of reasons for that. The, the first thing that you need to keep in mind is that one of our main challenges is coming from the geographical spread of our system. If you compare to any other mode of transportation, We not only need to move people from A to B, but we need to guarantee any inch, any centimeter between A and B. And we have equipment all along the line, everywhere. And, and, and that's all, that's create a, a very wide surface of exposure. We could say surface of attack of our systems. So that's what one of the major differentiators, the things that we need to take in account is the wide exposure of our, of our system. The second important point to keep in mind is Any railway system is a mix of technology. You never build your railway system in one day. So it's built over decades. In some of the Western countries, the journey for metro has started uh, in the 18th century. And they are continuing to build and adding layer over layer. And it's where the challenge is coming because you need to keep some layers and to have a new layer coming on top with new services, new technology. And this mix become something very complex to, to protect. Another element of, uh, of differentiation or of challenge for us is the level of regulation. It's common to say that railway is the safest way of transportation. That, that's a reality, it's a fact. But the, the reason for that is the level of regulation that you have to railway. The regulation starts from the moment that you, you start your design. You already have a lot of standards, homologation, homologation principle, and procedure that will, you have to must to follow in order to guarantee the safety of what you will deliver. Then you have procedure and standard to rule the way you will develop, the way you will implement, the way you will deploy. That's also creating pressure on creating a context. And the third one is the way you operate. There is no railway across the world where you don't have a strong operation principle, signaling principle, trend control principle, to guarantee the highest level of safety that you will find. So all of that is creating a challenging context for cybersecurity compared to, to other. And if you want to complete the, the, the picture over the last decades, I would say the last decade, the last one, you've seen the introduction of things which are not designed for railway. Meaning that if you go on board a train today, you may find between 300 and 400 computers. 
Some of them are very classical basic computers running operating systems that we know everywhere. Those systems, camera, sensors, were not designed for railway, meaning sustainability and maintainability for 30 years. And that's also part of the challenges that we have to, uh, to, to manage because this very long life cycle that we have in our, in our, of our solutions oblige us to think about evolutions of our defenses over time while keeping the level of safety, the level of security that we've reached after, uh, we say, a couple of decades of, uh, of railway uh, development. Now that we have to embrace and to integrate the cybersecurity discipline and introduce it in our, in, our, in our activities, we must make sure that our train remains safe, that our operation remains safe, that our trains remain sustainable, and that from an operational point of view, the efficiency is still there. If we have security at the price of a loss of efficiency in operation, if we have security at the price of a loss of a, a smooth journey, Uh, simple, uh, I would say, access to the system for operators, drivers, maintainers, or passengers, that will be a failure. So, so the, the, the real challenge for us is to introduce cybersecurity, which is coming with some concern, and we have to, to recognize that, while keeping a system which is pretty stable, operating well for decades, at the same level of safety and reliability. Very interesting. So, you know, um, When I think back, I believe it was almost a year ago, maybe it was like this month, a year ago, when the metros in Japan were attacked <laughs> by hackers. And at the time they thought it was attacked, they, they were attacked by Killnet, I believe it was. And they, they did a DDoS attack on uh, many systems, I think 20 something systems, which basically brought the two major metros in Japan, uh, the uh, Tokyo Metro and the Osaka Metro, to a standstill. And You know, this, this leads us to think about, you know, just how critical rail systems are part of that critical infrastructure puzzle. And, and it's one of the reasons why it's also become a focal point of the regulators to ensure that uh, we put as much protection as possible in, into these systems. So how does this affect the cybersecurity activities at Alstom? And, and what steps are you taking to ensure cybersecure rail systems? So, so first thing I have to say is that regulation is absolutely necessary. I mean, we, we may not like it because it creates constraints, but it's absolutely necessary. And we welcome norms, we welcome standards, we welcome policies because it's a very great opportunity to establish common languages and enable, I would say, sharing across the industry. If we don't have regulation, standard and norm, it's very complex to build those very, I would say, complex systems where you have several providers, several OEM technology providers, component providers, uh, assembly in, a, in one final system. Without regulations and norms, it's very complex to manage. So we welcome this and we expect there will be enough, I would say, in the industry, not too much, but enough in the industry to help us to, uh, to move forward. As a company, we've decided, and that was part of my decision when I took my, my position, to, to dedicate part of our efforts In, in defining those norms and standards for railway cybersecurity. So we are in this effort since five years now. One pre-standard has been, uh, has been issued globally. We expect that there will be a new standard, an IEC standard that will be issued somewhere beginning of next year. And we try to work country by country with authorities, regulators. Uh, General, you have some kind of a national cybersecurity agencies. They always have a chapter for uh, critical infrastructure and rail being one of them, 
And we try to work with them as much as possible to make sure that we understand their plan, we understand their strategy, and that they understand also our approach and the way that we want to, to, to move forward. So we know that those regulations will, will impact our product. So we know that. And in order to anticipate those impacts and to make sure that we can, uh, we can address them, we've chosen to address those, uh, those uh, railway cybersecurity regulations, I would say, from three different angles. The first angle was to make sure that going forward, when you define a product, you are compliant with the regulation. So meaning that we had to change a little bit our design principles. We had to change a little bit our development processes, our homologation processes to make sure that we, we give room for integration of cybersecurity control and that we can implement those uh, security by design, uh, secure design lifecycle topics, which are allowing us to protect the future and to, to make sure that in the future, the system will be designed properly. The second axis was the install base. We are in this business since 100 years, and we know that we make things for long term. Our customer will not understand if we say to them, we can't protect the future new train, but the ones that we sold a couple of years ago is too old, too outdated, too whatever. So we, we must, and we have to, and we did, address our install base with specific packages, with specific training, specific processes in order to make sure that the activity of risk reduction that our operators, our customers must undertake are possible, that we are the, the good enabler to help them to do that. And the last axis was to make sure that we can maintain this security over time because security is never set once for all. So we know that by definition, there will be a need to come back on it again, reassess it and maybe change it. So, and then you have to operate this security to know if something is happening and what you do or to do that. So we had to create this third axis in terms of, uh, of effort to make sure that we are able to, uh, to, to address our customer support. All of that being always driven by a risk-based approach. So we consider that when, especially when you look at the install base, you must, you must choose your fight and give priorities because if not, it's impossible to, to address. So we, we use this capability to analyze the system, evaluate the level of risk in order to point the effort, the resources and the focus where we believe it is the most at risk for, 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 for the company and for the customers. That, that's very interesting. And that last part is, is so crucial. And I think a lot of cybersecurity professionals miss that, the, the focus, uh, the prioritization, because it's really easy to uh, really drown in the amount of things that, that, that seem risky, but maybe not, are not necessarily so. so. Shlomi, I'd like to ask, actually, a follow-up on that, on your points. Yep. Uh, so do you see more of the risk coming from IT systems, OT systems, or the devices themselves? So, good question. In fact, we've have a little different angle when we are approaching this discussion. So, we've segmented whatever we are seeing in front of us between the, the enterprise network and the operational network. So, the enterprise network is the one that maybe you call the IT one, which is where people are managing, they are processing their usual data for payroll, for whatever. And the operational network is whatever is used to, to drive and to operate our trains. And what mm -hmm. is happening currently is that within this operational network, we are seeing more and more IT components. So we see uh, uh, Oracle database, uh, web servers, uh, shared drive within this operational system, which is there to manage the activity of our customers. 
And what we are seeing is that when it comes to a risk approach, you have the, the differentiation between the, the IT component and the IoT component is a little bit less uh, important because if you think about exposure, what is exposed or not to a, to a threat, you will realize that sometimes what is exposed is a classical PC under Windows for a web server, or it's a PLC which is connected to internet for whatever reason and is a kind of entry point of the system. So we see different, I would say, uh, topologies and different technologies, but their exposure can be equal depending on the overall architecture. What we are seeing also is that when it comes to people, people who are used to manage quote-unquote IT components, they are generally more open and more aware about risk because they see the component as being something that they may have at home, they heard in the press and so on. People on the operational side, they always have the feeling that we are safe because we are isolated, my system is so complex that nobody can understand it. So the education for people who are managing operational system is a little bit lagging behind. So this is the, the, the difference. So we see the component being, I would say, exposed sometime now because the system are more and more connected. The components are exposed more or less the same way. But on the other end, the people who are operating those components, on one side, they are more familiar to cyber security when it comes to IT components. When it comes to more operational components, real-time system, the, the awareness is less and it is where we have to do a huge effort in terms of uh, communication, convincing awareness of this population. Thank you. Interesting. It also resonates with a lot of the things that we see in other industries. So I'm curious, uh, I have a more uh, technical, practical question. What new cybersecurity tool, technology, or approach are you most excited about? It can be something that you guys develop at Alstom or something external. I, I'll say that there is a couple of things which are really amazing me and, uh, and I expect a lot from them. But two topics which for me are promising and will bring value for railway. One is this concept of zero trust because we have very complex environment with a lot of components. Uh, we are doing system integration at a level that you cannot imagine the number of various providers that we may have to deliver a metro or a, a, a people mover, a lot of components. So, The, the capability to really have an industrial way to manage uh, zero trust will be amazing for us. The, the second things which are really uh, bringing value when I was talking about data previously, the ways that we can extract information from data and make them uh, bring value for, for, for users is everything around matching, machine learning and artificial intelligence. This really are promising mechanism, promising approaches that will help us to address some of the challenges that we have because we have tremendous amount of data. Imagine if each, in each of our trains, we may have two, three, four hundred computers. The volume of information that we can have, there is sensors everywhere on each reels, on each antenna, everywhere. So you have huge amount of data and we need technologies in order to be able to, 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 to manage those data and to value them. So that, that's something we really, those, those things will help us. After, of course, those technologies they need to be adjusted to railway because it's not by, because we use simply AI that we have a solution. So it requires a lot of knowledge of the domain. It requires a lot of expertise, a lot of really root cause analysis to understand where is the problem and what exactly the small part I have to improve so that I can, I can, I can, uh, I can move forward. But it, it's something which is really interesting. And if we now come back a little bit more, I would say uh, 
on, on, on has Tom itself. There is a couple initiatives that I'm eager to see, uh, uh, I'm eager to see the outcome. So one of them is the new onboard security gateway. So imagine a, a train as being a data center on wheel. And this data center on wheel will have three, four, five different networks on board. Those networks on board must communicate with internet, with private network contract side. We will have to be connected when you have take a train going from Portugal to, uh, to, uh, to Germany. We have to be connected with different infrastructure locally. So there is a, a huge stake of uh, communication and having a strong mechanism of protection that you can put on board the train is something that we, we have implemented for the first generation. And now that we are expecting the new generation to come. The other topic which I, I'm eager to see is the next version of our cyber game. Education, training, awareness is the basis. You can't build the defense that you want if people in this defense perimeter are not able to understand their role and to act accordingly. That may jeopardize your role defense strategy. So it's very, very true for a system as complex as a railway system where you have a mobile element everywhere, you have stations, you have a track side product. So we've built a game to help to, to enhance that. And we will extend this game with uh, some, I would say, some new scenario. And I'm eager to see what it, what it will look like really. And, and, and the first thing I expect a lot. And for me, it's not really a tool, but when we talk about innovation is we, we've set up a cyber academy uh, in order to train people. And we expect, I expect a lot from this academy when it will come to new way of learning things. You know, but for people who will, who are not experts in cybersecurity, what we need to make sure is that everyone in a railway system as an, an operator, a maintainer, a supervisor, whoever is involved in the operation of the system or in this, in this design will understand the criticality of any actions that they may do when it comes to the security in sense of cybersecurity of the system. And for that, we really need to train, we need to, to put learning on we will need to have more way, more simple way. We need to innovate in that in order to make sure that we can make the point and pass knowledge and messages to the wider population possible because it's for us a way to uh, to reinforce and to ensure our defenses. Interesting. You know, um, I was about to ask you about the database on wheels <laughs> or the database on, uh, on the tracks. And I'll tell you why. When, when you were talking, what came to my mind was, okay, so... You know, in the in the past, you think about the difference between a vehicle and a train. And the vehicle has all these complicated parts and all these components that are working together. And now as we get to uh, autonomous vehicles, as we get to, you know, vehicles that are hybrid or or electronic or electric and, and, and you have to plug them in and everything. So you think, okay, so these guys have the, um, you know, a lot of different ECUs, the, the control units, and, and they really have all this code that's driving everything. And then, you know, you think of a train. Now, if you think of the old trains, you basically had the wheels and you had uh, in the tracks and, and coal. And we've come today to, you know, we have electric trains, we have all kinds of other different types of trains. And where is the, all of the, where do all of these control units come in and where do we have all of this code? But then you start thinking, okay, like you said, we have now trains that have to have sensors, they have to have internet, they have to be, you know, completely connected uh, to the systems, to the uh, to the electronics, to the to everything, and all of a sudden you have this database on wheels and or on tracks, I guess you'd call it. It's inter interesting that you are saying that because, and that's maybe also part of the of the lack of communication that we have in railway. Because 
Today, we have systems which are fully autonomous, meaning that you don't need anyone to make the full trains running together. You say, okay, I have 20 trains. I would like to have one minute and 20 seconds of gap between two trains. And then you inject the trains on the carousel, on the guys. The trains are moving by themselves. Most of the new metro, which are built today, are without drivers. So they are driverless metro. So the, the level of technology in our system since 20, 25 years is amazing. But we are not communicating a lot on that. And today, the, the autonomy, the capability for a train to do his, his full journey alone based on the timetable is a given that we master in this industry. And hence, the consequence, which is you have data centers on board because you need to manage all this data. You have millions of codes, lines of code of software on board of our train. We've put in service in more, last beginning of July, a metro in Montreal, fully automatic, fully automatic. There is nobody to drive. The same in, in, in Tel Aviv, and I can tell you both in Montreal and in Tel Aviv, the level of cyber security which is requested to our system is, is mad. But we managed to do that while keeping those metro totally autonomous and totally automatic, transporting 500 uh, people each and being able to do this carousel from uh, 6 a.m. in the morning uh, to uh, midnight. So, and, and that's what we do today with software, with connectivity in our system. And that's why the challenges of cybersecurity in railway is all of a sudden appearing as being a mountain, but we were already climbing the mountain without <laughs> realizing, you know, the, that the top of the mountain was so far. And with that come the expanded threat vectors and, of course, the regulators and, uh, you know, the guidelines for compliance. I guess what you say is partly true because w when, when you're thinking of cars, you have drivers, you know, each one mm -hmm. of us is a driver, so we, we operate the car. But when you think of trains, we're mostly passengers. So we want to get from place A to place B. So most, most people don't think about how it works and how mm -hmm. it operates. And as you said, it's even much more advanced than other fields, but we, we're not aware. Uh, here it's an electric train. So they put it on the tracks. There's, there's a connector between the, the, the engine or, or whatever's making it go to the, to the tracks and, and it moves. You know, yeah, you don't, you don't, you really don't, you really don't take into account that it is a database on wheels, similar on tracks, similar to vehicles or other types of automotive vehicles that are on the road. <laughs> so, Eddie, a personal question, if you don't mind. What was the most um, hard-to-believe, exciting moment you had in your career so far? I, I'll say that the what is interesting is that I started doing software development, so I was programming algorithms. You do image processing. So you do an algorithm, you process an image. Oh. And then I move to the real industry. And, and the same programming is moving a train. And I can tell you the first time that you board a train, a metro, and you realize that when the doors are opening or closing, it is because you have written this small piece of code. That's totally crazy. That is really something which is amazing for me every time. You know, you board the metro and you know, oh, this door is open because I know that there is this signal which is going there and this table is read this way and this variable means that it is set at one. It really gives kind of a sense of reality to what you are doing. So I think that the, the most exciting moment I have when, I, when I'm in this industry since a couple of years now is when you go at the end of the project and you can be seated in a train and the train is moving and you know why it's moving. You know that there is a code doing that. You know that there is a software doing that. Now in cyber, we know that, okay, it can open the door because he has the authorization. You can switch on the train in the morning. 
because the certificate has been validated and approved. You can't do that because the central server said yes. So these capabilities to, to see the reality of your, of your contribution in, in the system is really something that is for me, uh, and sometimes you say it hard to believe because when you know what, where, where you are coming from and when, what you go through, seeing the trains moving and seeing people taking it like nothing. So the hunters, the discus, blah, 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 and it's moving and stopping by itself and so on. You realize the, 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 the importance of the, of the challenge that has been, uh, that has been uh, met and the importance on the, on the, of the milestone on, of the effort that has been, uh, has been done. So it's really for me the most, I would say, exciting moment in my career is when, when we go to the end and you, you board a metro. I was recently in, uh, in Dubai and uh, I, when I took metro in the airport. Uh, that's good that it is impressive to you want to in the metro and you know, okay, ah, yes, this is Dubai metro. It was a, a specification and it was a drawing, I remember, and then and now it's coming as being alive as a real object on the track and, uh, and you know what is behind is, is really something which is amazing for me. Well, well, keep, keep keeping us safe. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe as a last question to wrap up, uh, what tips would you provide to product security teams in 2023 and beyond on how to, you know, to keep uh, systems safe and devices safe? I, I'll say that for, for people in charge of security, people in charge of protection, a couple of points that maybe, maybe they need to keep in mind. The, the first for me is be curious. I mean, you, you never know every, everything. So always be curious. Try to, try to learn things on, on the other side, on, on different, coming from different, uh, of different origin. Be humble, because that's also a big lesson learned of, uh, lesson learned on, the, on this, uh, on this world of cybersecurity. We must be humble. I mean, we cannot always say we've do that, we've win that, and so on. So it's, it's something that we need to always keep in mind. We need to be humble, and it, it goes with be curious and keep learning, because if you are humble, I mean, you, you listen to others and you, you try to, to take lessons from what you are, what you are seeing. And I will say, keep trying. I mean, we don't have all the solutions. That's a fact. All our solutions are not perfect. That's another fact. But we need to keep trying. I mean, the, 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 the worst defeat is when you did not try. So, I mean, let's try. If it seems infeasible, let's give it a try. And maybe it will be less infeasible next time and, and the time after you will overcome. So I think that for people who have the, the very complex challenge to protect complex, sometimes very old, system, keeping in mind that trying, learning are things which are important, can help them, I would say, to, uh, to, to move forward. And, and I think that the added value for these people, people who are on the product security and on the defense side, is really the capability to be an enabler. So things which seems impossible, thanks to the product security, will become possible. Push away the spirit of I will put barriers to protect. I will forbid. I will limit. No. We are there to enable. We are there to let people use the data. We are led to, there to let people use the connectivity. We are let, yeah, there to let people benefit from the remote access, benefit from the virtualization. That's the, the real mission of people who are doing cybersecurity. Putting defenses, forbid, this is forbidden. You are not authorized to that. That cannot be. I would say the, the, the mission. The mission is really to allow people to do things, give them the possibility, be an enabler. That's my main message for people and for my team, but for people who are in this business, we must be seen as being enablers. And that's who that 
this is sometimes not the case because sometimes uh, security creates anxiety. And so people may see the security guys as being the security say no. The security may say no. It's very often. That's normal. That's also part of their job. But they say, they shall say no. And this is the way you shall do it. And not no. Because no, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's at the end of the story. So I think that's the, one of the, the, the main message, I we say, or takeaway that we can have for, for, for population which are embracing this uh, complex, difficult and very demanding career in security. And especially when it's come to real cyber security is really keeping this open minded and this, uh, this willingness to be an enabler and to help things happen and not to prevent them to, uh, to, be, to, be, to be possible. Sounds great. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's been really a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Shlomi and I were talking about this before, actually, before we started today, and uh, how interesting it is, you know, the whole idea of real cybersecurity and how important it is. Uh, I've taken fast, uh, very fast trains around the world, and you know, like like Shlomi said, you, you get on the train, you kind of sit there, and you're just expected to to go. And then people like yourself are responsible for keeping us safe and secure. And uh, and thank you for everything you do. And um, thank you for being on the show today. And, and that's striking. You will see that you have people who can be sick in plane, who can have fear to take plane, boat, or or, or, or cars. I don't think that you will find someone who is, will say to you, "Oh, I fear to take the train." People are sleeping in the train. They are enjoying life in the train. Even if the train is running at 300 kilometers per hour, you don't care. And, and that's for me, when we reach this level, it is where our job is done. And with the complexity of cybersecurity on top of that, continuing to have the TGV in France going at uh, 300 kilometers per hour between Paris and Lyon, for me, this is a success. This is where we see that, okay, we did our job. And in addition, people can continue to enjoy life. That's the, the best reward, I would say. You're 100% right. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. See you. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Left to Our Own Devices is brought to you by Cybellum. To learn more, visit cybellum.com. <laughs>